Welcome to CryoTalk, a bite-sized bio podcast sponsored by Thermo Fisher Scientific. Featuring conversations between your host, Ava Amson, and experts in the field of cryo-electron microscopy. Today on CryoTalk, we are joined by Iorgo Skiniotis, Professor of Molecular and Cellular Physiology, Structural Biology and Photon Science at Stanford University. We're talking about his research career. I was always curious as to how we can bring different methods sort of together. Catching up on classic literature. These are the days that I'm grappling again with with James Joyce. The surprising job he would choose if he wasn't a scientist. I often fantasize about being out there and catching fish. And the importance of cultivating diverse research interests. None of us wants to do the same thing over and over again. It becomes it becomes very boring. All in this episode of CryoTalk. Hi, and welcome to CryoTalk. I'm Eva Amson, and I'm here today with Yorgos Kiniotis, Professor of Molecular and Cellular Physiology, Structural Biology and Photon Science at Stanford University. His research group uses cryo-EM and 3D reconstruction techniques to study macromolecular complexes in cell signaling, such as transmembrane receptors. Jorgo, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining me. Um, so, as I told people, you're at Stanford now, but can you tell me a little bit about your research background? So, what, what brought you there? <laughs> oh, what brought me there? Um, life science so i i i grew up in greece i uh, studied though biochemistry at the university of leeds in the in the uk um and then i did um you know two months sort of uh diploma thesis that was um actually on electron microscopy 2d crystallography of all things mm. um and sort of that you know level of direct imaging that an electron microscope would provide you compared, let's say, to other structural biology techniques, sort of piqued my interest. And it was one of the techniques that was definitely not as much in fashion as it is now. Mm. So um, I did my PhD at EMBL in Heidelberg, the European Molecular Biology Lab. And uh, I actually did cryo-EM of um, kinesin microtubule complexes, trying to understand how kinesin motors change their conformation as a function of their nucleotide state. And that enables sort of a walking mechanism mm. uh, on, on the microtubule. Um, and then it was pretty clear at the time that, um, you know, that was obviously helical reconstructions because we were trying to select um, microtubules that you could apply helical averaging. But it, but it was clear that the, the next thing was actually, or it wasn't, it, I, I shouldn't call it next, but it was still <laughs> in the earlier stages of development, it was single particle analysis, right? Mm -hmm. um, without um, having the need for symmetry um, for example, in, in going after individual molecules and averaging them. So I, you know, decided to do a postdoc at Harvard Medical School. Uh, I was actually in Tom Waltz's lab. Um, and there I learned um, single particle uh, cryo-EM. I spent most of the time there, mm -hmm. 
to actually do a negative stain analysis. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, because the majority of the targets, so I, I had done cryo-EM for my PhD, but for, for most of my postdoc, I actually did negative stain because the targets that I selected were very, very small, like receptors, for example, small signaling cell surface receptors. Um, but that also, you know, negative stain is also a bit of an art, right? Mm -hmm. It has a lot of caveats, but, um, you know, it's, 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 it's art in imaging and you can extract very useful um, uh, information. And, you know, then I moved to the University of Michigan as an assistant professor, I built a research program around um, uh, signaling receptors, cytokine receptors at the time. Then we started slowly going after G-protein coupled receptors. Um, I got tenured in Michigan and then I, you know, moved to um, Stanford about five years ago. Wow. And how are you liking it there so far? <laughs> I like it. Stanford is a is is, is an interesting uh, place. You can't beat the weather, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm in London, so I I can't imagine good weather. <laughs> um, yeah. So one of my questions, which you actually already answered, was how did you get started with cryo EM? So I guess you you started during your PhD. I started during my PhD, um, and. It was, it, it was a very interesting time. I mean, I, I have to say it was one of the most fulfilling times that I ever had. Um, my background is actually in biochemistry, right? Mm -hmm. So when I chose a, a, a cryo-EM project, I sort of had to do everything from A to Z, from the molecular mm -hmm. biology, the protein biochemistry, learn cryo-EM, um, I understand many of these concepts that at, at the time were somewhat esoteric and often the, 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 the doubt of disputes, resolution, and, and what have you. Um, but I also feel that this prepared me well for, for what was to come because I, I think I'm fortunate in that I, in that I developed a sort of more um, well-rounded approach to a structural biologic project, right? Which is not just the electron microscopy, not just the image processing, but perhaps even more importantly, the target preparation, right? What, what are you looking at? How do you purify it? What state is it when, when, when you purify it and how you can fine tune the system that you're interested in, in order to get, you know, reasonable information. Mm. Yeah, because what are some of the, the advantages that you found of cryo-EM when you're looking at receptor structures in particular? Well, so I started looking into cytokine receptors and, and these receptors have sort of, a series of Ig-like domains, um, to put it simply, you know, small round domains that are connected like beads on a string. Mm. So when you actually purify them and you take a look, you realize that these are very flexible assemblies. And, and this is the reason why besides some um, small parts of these molecules that, you know, were determined by X-ray crystallography, 
you know, this flexibility essentially hindered applying crystallography on the full ectodomains, so the entire receptor in complex with its, with its ligand. Um, so the advantage of, of single particle cryo-EM is essentially that you don't have to go through crystallization and um, you can obtain average information from different classes um, that show different distinct conformational states. And that of course is also crucial to understand biology. Things are not static, things are moving left and right and, and up and down because they need to execute a certain type of, of, of work. Um, so this is the, the, the true power of single particle EM, which I would argue it probably has not been fully realized yet. Hmm. That, that actually brings me to, to my next question, um, which is a little bit about the future. Um, so you're also director of Stanford Cryo-EM Center. So I'm sure you've got a bit of an overview of how Cryo-EM is being used beyond your own work. Now, if you think like five to 10 years in the future, what are some of the, the exciting applications that you think we can expect of Cryo-EM? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to tell you any anything new um, here. Um, you know, I think Joachim, in in the first podcast that that you hosted, talked about time resolved cryo EM. This is definitely one of the next frontiers, and you know, our approaches are at their infancy. Um, I would argue that cryo EM single particle cryo-EM is still not used to its full capabilities. And what I mean by that is that we're still going after one or two structures at high resolution, and we don't take full advantage of the ability of the technique to look at the entire ensemble, right? Mm. Because these, these are single particle, um, single molecule measurements, um, if, if you wish. Part of the problem is that our approaches to the, to the whole sort of methodology come from crystallography, where we try to purify um, as well as possible mac macromolecular complexes in a single state, right? Mm -hmm. But the question is, what would happen if we start in a controlled way, of course, inducing states and instead of going after steady state samples, let's say samples that are all in the same state, we see them in flux. Hmm. And then we take advantage of these wonderful sort of um, classification methods that have been developed much more rigorously in the last few years to actually see how things move, the entire dynamics and how can you go from A to you know E and seeing all the intermediate states, B, C, D, for example. Um, so time-resolved cryo-EM is definitely one of the next frontiers. Of course, looking at more complex assemblies that somewhat recapitulate better, if, if you will, what happens inside the cell mm -hmm. is definitely one of the next frontiers as well. And what I mean by that, let's take, for example, our own work on G-protein coupled receptors. You see hundreds of, uh, you have seen hundreds of structures now, right now, you know, published, and this is a GPCR, 
and a G protein, but you know, a GPCR and G protein are not there on their own. They're downstream effectors, there is a membrane environment, there are additional players into this whole system. So the question is, can we sort of in vitro recapitulate higher order assemblies that give us a more um, pragmatic view, mm. if, if, if you will, of how these things work. And of course, this is also the connective tissue with the other big player, which is, which is tomography, mm. uh, cellular tomography, you know, looking at macromolecular complexes in, in situ. Um, and there's definitely a lot of development that is required in, in, in that space, particularly when we are targeting, you know, complexes that are beyond sort of the model complexes, you know, whether it's ribosomes that are very easily distinguishable and you might have a lot to average or proteasomes or, or, or what have you. How can we go after lower occupancy targets that are also more difficult to recognize? And this is where you're having the interplay with um, fluorescent microscopy and doing correlative cryo-electromicroscopy, light microscopy. So there's going to be an explosion of, of new developments there in terms of how do we go? How do we even go in a rational way after such targets? Yeah, that's, that's going to be very exciting once we get to that point. Because, uh, yeah. yeah, of course, in biology, everything, everything is dynamic. It's not just a, a snapshot yeah. of one or two molecules at a time. Um, I guess speaking of dynamics, um, uh, let, let's talk a bit about your own uh, career and research again. Um, has there ever been a moment where um, things took a surprising turn for you in your career? Um, you know, I, I have to tell you, there is, um, there was never really an aha moment that you know you wake up one day and you're like I have to change direction completely um you know my positioning in all this or 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 my view is um I'm, I'm trying to 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 tell a story mm. right and and all these stories interconnect and one story takes you to to the next and the plot is, is very often very difficult to sort of plan ahead. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can plan the next couple of, of, of steps, but suddenly, especially as let's say you become a little bit more senior and you have been involved for a number of years in, in many different projects, then you start drawing connectivities between all these different plots. And this is what, this is where the new thing comes, um, essentially. But yeah, to give you sort of a, as, as straight answer as possible, I never had like, oh my God, you know, um, I have to change completely um, direction. You hone, your, you, hone, you hone your skill, right? Slowly. And you see again, how all these connectivities um, build and, and how you can bring additional, I mean, I always approach things from a more holistic perspective, if, if, if you wish. And I, I, I was always curious as to how we can bring different methods sort of together, 
um, and see how they, they communicate um, with each other and, and tell part of the story. You know, whether it is um, cryo-EM and molecular dynamic simulations or more sophisticated biochemical experiments and how can we go after dynamics with uh, true single molecule biophysical uh, measurements, let's say FRET, mm -hmm. um, for example. It sounds like you've, you, you're pretty in control then of, of like what's happening next. So what do you think will be next for you in, in your career over the next few years? Do you have any exciting plans? Well, I never said I was in control. <laughs> it sounds like you are. Next. I'm just, you know, I guess through the years I have become a little bit more paced, mm -hmm. if you wish, with, with, with what I'm doing. Um, you know, part, part of being a scientist is, is also having, you know, developing an intuition and also the, the quick reflexes. Mm -hmm. If there is something interesting to, to, to follow, follow it up. Um, and, and, Still, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm convinced that there's many things that we kind of leave behind because we don't have the capacity to focus on everything, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm not quite sure about mm -hmm. um, the, the next steps in my career. Now that, um, now that cryo EM has become much more mainstream, maybe it's time for me to do something else. I don't know. <laughs> but, do something uh, very surprising yeah. <laughs> and then the next time you're on a podcast and i ask you about a surprising change in your career you can talk about that <laughs> um uh, yeah well i guess i guess what i'm trying to tell you though is that you know whatever changes we decide to do are never like always smooth as mm -hmm. every scientist you know you struggle with things you you try to figure out what is worth doing how is it worth spending the next 10 years of, of your life in this particular space, in the scientific mm -hmm. um, space? What questions are worth asking, right? We, none of us wants to do the same thing over and over again. It becomes, it becomes very boring. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm, it's something that I'm, I'm grappling with on a regular basis, what is worth doing and where should I go next, yeah. right? And, and there are periods that I'm much more calm about what I'm doing. And there are other periods that I just wanna change everything around me. It's, it, it's like that for me. I don't like doing the same thing over and over. Yeah. And, and I noticed a bike behind you. Is that, is cycling one of your hobbies? <laughs> Cycling is on my hobbies. I used to cycle much more indoors, especially at the start of the pandemic. Mm. But quite frankly, the weather is so nice around here that it was silly. I found myself staring for too long in front of a screen, you know, yeah. uh, cycling virtually. So I haven't used it in months, <laughs> to be honest with you. I'm just biking outside. Mm. <laughs> and, and what else do you like to do for fun? Um, yeah, it's a good question. You know, I, I mean, I, it, it, it sounds mundane, but, um, it's like, you know, I watch the occasional movie and, 
catching up with cinema that is 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 not the cinema that it used to be. I grew up with, you know, European cinema and 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 movies, and I'm somewhat disappointed about what has been happening more more recently. Um, I'm not big into cooking. I, I, I suggested that you might ask me something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this night. I like cooking for other people. I, I would like having um, friends around. And of course, the, the whole pandemic phase limited quite a bit this production. Yeah, yeah. I like traveling. Uh, I, I, I travel, um, you know, I started traveling again and I'm just like a kid because we've all been so confined yeah. um, for the last couple of years that now that traveling is opening up again it just makes me um, very very happy yeah. and you know I spend time with 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 my kid that is my joy <laughs> that all sounds really nice yeah traveling everyone has been traveling this year I don't know if the airline industries can keep up with it but um, <laughs> nope uh so yeah, you mentioned that you love films. Do you have um, anything you can recommend us? Anything we need to watch? Um, I, I I did watch, and you can watch it on Netflix. Actually, I I did watch the Power of the Dog by Jane Campion, and and I thought it was exceptional. I still that's on my to watch list. I still need to yeah. see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got a couple of other quick questions for you. Um, do you prefer the city or the countryside? <laughs> oh, I'm of two minds. Um, I grew up in Athens and I think, um, it, you know, it was, it, it, it's a chaos of a city, <laughs> but once you know it, it's, a, it's an amazing environment, right? You have so much, so much input and different kinds of, of influences. And in a way, I've, I've been thinking about this about my kid because I would also like him to have the experience of, of, of the city. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I feel that I have also reached the point in my life that I like visiting cities. I don't necessarily need to live in them because mm -hmm. um, I enjoy, so, you know, I, I live very close to, to campus. And here is just like um, I don't know. It's 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 very quiet. It's 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 very green. There is no traffic. Mm -hmm. You don't stress with anything else other than work. Right? <laughs> um, so I, I I've learned to appreciate that. I've learned to appreciate the the easiness of of living in such a, a, an environment, more countryside, if you will. Mm -hmm. But but I, I always love visiting cities and and tasting what they have to offer. Yeah, and you're close to a city, so you can just That's go right. whatever you need to. Yeah. Right. Um, I I also see a bookcase behind you, and I can't see what's in it. But do you have any books you can recommend us? Oh, God. Um, you know my my perspective about books keeps on oscillating. Right. Um, there are books that um, I, you know, I adored as in, in, in my 20s that I couldn't look back again, you know, later on. Mm -hmm. So it, it's something that keeps on evolving. I definitely don't read even half of how much I, I, I used to read. Um, you know, I, I feel that 
I'm I'm doing a return though. I'm 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 going back to more classical content, if 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 you will. So mm-hmm. you know, these are the days that I'm grappling again with with James Joyce that I I, I think is not going to be to the taste of <laughs> the majority of Europeans. Not light reading. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And do you like music? I like music, but not in a very sort of targeted way. Uh, I operate better with music on 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 the background, but um, you know, as as long as it is not something very offensive to my ear, then I can I can listen to many different mm-hmm. styles. Um, yeah, I guess background because, music is a. It, yeah, I mean, there's, 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 yeah. Al, there's always a mix. There, there, there is always a mix between, you know, um, I, I could I could listen from you know, um, Iron Maiden uh, <laughs> to Depeche Mode, go to something much more um, jazzy. Again, you know, it's not about the style of, of, of music. I think its particular style has certain things to offer depending on how you feel and, and the time of the day. Uh, but usually I try to have mus- music around. It keeps me calmer. Mm. It's nice to have some sound in the background. That's right. um, and, and this is always a hard question for, well, it, maybe you've thought about it before, but if you're not a scientist, what would you be? <laughs> What is your alternate reality career? If I was not a scientist, I think I would be a fisherman. Oh, why? <laughs> um, many different reasons, actually. So I, I, I grew up next to the sea. Um, my parents were islanders, so I used to spend many summers on, on islands. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've grown this sort of very deep connection to blue, <laughs> to the sea, salt, the arid landscape of the uh, Cyclades complex where my parents came from. And being a fisherman is a very, very tough job, but it's also a job that you're always out there. Yeah. And there is a lot of science behind it. There is a lot of science and in, in, in the skills and, and the tricks, like I, you know, I was noticing as a kid, you know, these people, they were really good fishermen and there's some horrible fishermen and then everyone else in, in between. But the good fishermen really had a system. I mean, they were thinking about things. It wasn't just instinct or e- e- experience, right? They knew where, where, where to go. They were doing their calculations and they had the ability to be out there and not be sort of enclosed um, within um, four walls. So, you know, that's my, because as all of us were spending a lot of time in front of a computer, I often fantasized about being out there and catching fish. That sounds amazing now. Now I want to go outside and fish. (laughs) Um, and, And finally, do you have any advice for early career researchers? Um, you know, I, 
I have a very close friend, Roger Sunahara, who is a professor at UCSD. And, um, you know, at, at the bottom of his email, he has this saying, just go crazy and do it. Or just, just get crazy and do it. And, you know, I, I, I think, you know, the usual advice is be persistent and go after your dreams. You know, my advice is like, just, just get crazy and do it. You know, life is short e experience, go after new experiences and, 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 and see what comes. <laughs> um, stop, stop calculating everything. <laughs> that's, that's amazing advice. Um, and on that note, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, that brings us to the end of today's episode. So Thank, thank you, you, everyone. Yeah. Thank Thanks, you everyone, much. for listening or watching CryoTalk today. And have a great day, Yorgo. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to CryoTalk, a bite-sized bio podcast sponsored by Thermo Fisher Scientific. To view all audio and video recordings from this series, please visit bitesizebio.com forward slash CryoTalk.